The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had married her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. In these first days of November, we cannot help but uh, ponder a little bit, at least from time to time, the grim, perhaps grim, reality of death. On the first day of November, we remember all saints, all those who've gone to God and now rejoice in the kingdom of God. On the second day of November, we remember our own beloved dead, hoping and hoping and praying and believing that, that they too will make the jump well from this world to the next that their sins will be forgiven them and they'll be embraced by the Lord God of all creation. And so when we ponder these realities, sometimes during the month of November and sometimes when death touches us more acutely, sometimes usually unexpectedly, there's two questions that come up. The first question for some people is, what's heaven gonna be like? And that's a beautiful question and nobody knows. We don't know what heaven's going to be like. We can posit all kinds of images to make heaven uh, even come close to the beautiful reality that it most certainly will be. You know, angels with harps and clouds and blue skies everywhere. Or for children, an endless candy bar. <laughs> for maybe, maybe some of us, you know, the greatest picnic on earth. Who knows? Or the greatest picnic not on earth. The second question is more important. It too comes up in this month of November and whenever we deal with the reality of death in our own lives. Some people have to ask, 
Is there really anything after we die anyway? Is there anything? Do we just turn into nothing? Do we go back to just being dust? To dust we shall return? Our senses tell us that that's the way it is. We have five perfectly good senses, and all five of them say that when you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing after. We can see, we can touch, we can feel, we can hear that that person we knew that was alive so much yesterday is now no longer with us. And the question is a normal one. It's a natural one. It's indeed a rather profound one. Is there anything after this life anyway? Good question, but very hard to answer. It seems like, like maybe there are two kinds of people in the world. There's those who ask the first question. They have a deep and profound and utter confidence that indeed there is life after death. And they maybe not imagine it the same way we would, but they're there. And then there's the other part of humanity that depends maybe altogether on their senses, on what they can know and what they can see with their own eyes, they can touch with their own hands. And they're the ones who ask the second question. Is there life after death? Or, maybe more affirmatively, folks, this is all we've got. You know, these years here on this planet Earth are it, so make the best of it, because there is nothing beyond. That's not new. This sort of division between those who trust that indeed there is life after death and those who either deny it or question it is nothing new. It's not something that's just come up in our own times. Even in Jesus' time, those questions were part and parcel of the religious life of the people of Israel. We get a very big hint to that reality in today's gospel. On the one hand, we often encounter the Pharisees in the Gospels. And say what you will about the Pharisees and how they sometimes came into conflict with Jesus. One thing that they did do is they believed in life after death. They believed in a resurrection of the dead of some kind. On the other side, the Sadducees, who were also loyal and faithful sons of Israel, this particular group of experts in the law, said, nah, there's nothing after. And it's these Sadducees, the ones who would ask the question or at least affirm that there's no life after death, who come to Jesus in today's gospel and ask him a perfectly ridiculous and stupid question. It's not the question, Lord, is there life after death? What they do is they come already believing that there is no life in de after death, and they're going to show Jesus up just like they show up the, the Pharisees. They know where Jesus stands, and they want to make a fool out of him. And so they come up and they take this beautiful story from the Old Testament that we heard in the first reading of the seven brothers who die, this beautiful martyrdom, one after another after another. And they adapt it a little bit and they throw in a little bit of Moses' law and they come up with this goofy story that they present to Jesus that they certainly know is going to make the people laugh. To hear the story and then to see Jesus squirm 
as he responds to their silliness. <laughs> so there's a guy, a lady, and she has a husband, and then the husband dies and has no children, and according to Mosaic law, she has to, you know, and the other brother has to marry her, and it goes up one, two, three, four, six, seven. She ends up being married seven times to seven brothers. Whose wife will she be in the afterlife? It's meant to be a trick. It's meant to show Jesus how stupid he is if he believes in life after death. It's meant to make people laugh and to laugh at Jesus. Well, Jesus takes the Sadducees' comic book question and he just shuts them down. He tells them, you don't get it at all. What you're doing is you're taking the principles of life here on this earth and trying to apply them to life beyond. It doesn't work. Life beyond death, life in God, life in the kingdom of God is something altogether different. And marriage and <coughs> remarriage and remarriage is not an issue. Wake up, you guys. It's not an issue. But then Jesus says something profound. He takes one important moment that the, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament that the, the, the Sadducees certainly know well. The moment where Moses addresses God in the burning bush. And, and he says, what did Moses say? How did he address the Lord? He said, God of, Moses, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. That's how he addresses him. Even Moses knew that God is God of the living, not of the dead. Moses understood that for God, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the others are not dead, dead and gone, but they are alive to him. Why? Because God is a God of the living. God is a God of the living. And God welcomes all of his children into life and preserves that life and guards that life and brings it to the fullness of life. God is a God of the living. Well, that's all fine and good. The Sadducees probably would say, okay, you got us. You, you, you slammed us down a little bit there. Um, but who are you to make that affirmation? On what basis do you make that affirmation? How do you tell us that there's life after death and that God is a God of the living? You know, anybody can interpret that passage from Scripture any way they want. We do it maybe a different way. So what's your authority? for making this bold statement that God is the God of the living and that those old dead people continue to live with him. Jesus doesn't have to respond to that with words. Jesus validates his wisdom on the matter of life after death. Jesus proves his wisdom in the matter of life after death by his own life and his own death, and most of all, by what happens on the first day of the week, three days after he himself dies a terrible, cruel death with us human beings. Jesus rises from the dead. 
and shows forth in glory that God indeed is a God of the living. And he shares not just that belief, not just that, 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 that uh, logical answer to the Pharisees with us. He shares his very life with us. He shares God's life with us. He proves that there's something in us human beings that is bigger than what we can see and feel and taste with our five senses. That there is life in us, there is spirit in us, there is person in us, there is divinity in us <coughs> that God has placed there and that God never walks away from. That God does not let turn back to dust into nothingness. For it is the work of God's hands. Life is the work of God's hands and it is precious to God. And though each and every one of us will die just as Jesus died. Jesus teaches us not only in his words. Not only in his response to the Sadducees. But far more importantly by what happens on Easter morning that God is the God of the living and God does not let go of the living. For him they are alive for all eternity. In him they are alive for all eternity. With him they're alive for all eternity because God is a God of the living, not the dead.